Welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast, where we read through the Bible together and help to answer any questions you might have. Welcome back to the Fully Equipped Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Travis. And I am back. I've made it. I didn't die. The, the gas station food didn't kill me. He survived. Everybody, y'all, y'all prayed through hard enough that he, he made it through. That's right. So, uh... This morning, or, well, we're recording this on Sunday, just so y'all know. Uh, This morning, we talked uh, quite a bit about Lot and what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 19. And you mentioned that you wanted to, that there was some stuff you wanted to talk about exclusively on the podcast. Well, I figured we'd save it for the podcast because it would take too long to go through, um, in the sermon and it kind of, it can almost be a little bit of a distraction. Yeah, I, I think we can we can get kind of sidelined on some of these points, um, especially because some of it doesn't give us a clear answer. I don't believe, um, but I know one of them was in chapter nineteen. You have the the angels that came into the city. They were staying at Lot's house, and the um, the people, all the men from all over the city, old and young, came to the house. And in verse 5, it says, And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. And that's the New King James Version. I think the NIV... uh, It's pretty blunt. It just says, bring them out so we can have sex with them. Yeah, that's pretty blunt. Yeah. Um, And different versions say it different ways. And so... um, we go from there to Lot tries to negotiate with them. And he says, no, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. And that's a very difficult passage. Yeah, it, um, definitely, it definitely seems a little bit sketchy. Yeah, I mean, I can't, you know, that's kind of what I mentioned this morning. As a, as a father, um, I don't see myself saying that. Yeah. Um, and so people interpret that different ways. Um, you know, I think sometimes people look at Lot and go, well, he was, he was reacting he was in the middle of, because one thing we do is we read it in the calm, you know, when you look at things in the actual situation, his house was surrounded mm-hmm. and they're ready to, to knock the doors down and come in and forcibly drag these, these men away. Well, they're, they're being so aggressive about it that these men blind, these attackers essentially, mm-hmm. And they're still not deterred. They're still trying to find the door. Yeah, yeah. That still didn't give up because it goes on to say that uh, it says that they became weary trying to find the door, which means they kept trying until it wore them out, till they got tired. Right. And wasn't it wasn't the blind just the blindness alone that deterred them? And so, so I don't know. I've looked at this and and. Um, I did a little reading on it. That's one thing you can do is when you kind of get hung up, you can look to see what it says in, in other places. And um, 
There's some takes that I've seen on this where they say, well, when they ask them to bring the men out, all of our versions say so that they can know them carnally or to have sex with them or this kind of stuff. Um, but there is a, a school of thought out there that says that's not exactly the right translation for it. That it was like, uh, I think it's the King James that leaves off the, the carnally. And it says, bring them out to us so that we may know them. As in, well, bring them out. They're strangers in our land. Bring them out so we can be hospitable to them and get to know them. And that when Lot offers up his daughters, that wasn't meant to be a, he was actually going to give them to them. It was to reveal their true motives. And um, that's, why, that's why they say, um, it says, get out of our way. They replied, this fellow came here as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. Uh, because it shows that they exposed, you know, he exposed their true motives, you know, that they were there not to get to know these guys, but they were um, like, how dare you judge us that this is what we came here for. We just wanted to get to know them. But if this is the way you're going to be, we'll show you uh, and took that attitude with it. Now, there is a problem with with that take on it. And that's how you interpret the word um, get to know them. Yeah, uh, because that word when used in other places in the Bible, and that's one thing you can do is as we're studying the Bible, when you run into something, a difficult passage, that's to look to see how those words were used in other places. Right. And in and, and most of the other spots that we find that it's about, uh, you know, people knowing each other in it's a carnal nature. It's, yeah, it's an intimate thing. It's right. uh, it's not a hey, we just want to get to know you. It's a. Uh, uh, it's not how you would get to know a buddy sitting down That's watching right. a show together or something like that. That's right. And, and so so there's where some of the problems run with that. I think that's one of those things that we can hang up as to why did he offer it? Did he plan it? Was he just stalling for time? And all of it really distracts from the true point. And the true point, what we're looking at here, isn't what Lot did. It's that you can see how far the how depraved the people in Sodom were right you can see the wickedness you can see the wickedness and that's what this is meant to show it's not meant to show was lot right in doing that or not or can we imagine it goes back to show the true wickedness and God's judgment that's about to come down on this place right and so a- after this we see that um, these men uh, grant Lot and his family uh, basically passage out of town. Mm-hmm. They say, go flee into the mountains. Lot says, that's, that's so far. There's this town. It's far enough away, but it's easy enough for us to get to. Can we go there? And they say, sure, go there. Um, on their way out, uh, it says that Lot's wife looks back uh-huh. and that she's turned into a pillar of salt, and that's all that we get. It seems like like when, you, when you're just reading it passively, it seems very minuscule for the punishment that she, she receives. But we were talking about this a little bit earlier. She may not have just turned around and taken a glance. This may mean that she tried to go back or that she delayed in, in an area so long that this carnage overtook her. And it's kind of meant to show how the, the it's meant to show the influence that that Sodom and Gomorrah, that that culture had on Lot and his family, that even though they were righteous, there was still this sense of 
I want to be close. I want to, you know, there are good things here that, you know, it's not to, it's not totally depraved. There's a reason for me to stay. And you can even see that when Lot argues to stay in the town instead of going to where these men have directed him, which is into the mountains. Yes. And so I just find that interesting. That's a that's a spot that we see, you know, well, she looks back and she's turned into a pillar of salt. But that's, that seems like a huge punishment for that. And then when yeah. you get into deeper reading and you look at some some of the stuff mm-hmm. that other people have said about it, you realize that, that may, that's not exactly what that probably means. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things that we did talk about this morning, that it was more than just a physical turning back. It was her heart. That's the, right. more the reason, the, the way to do it, is it, it was her heart turned back. She preferred, she would rather go back to um, that life. Then. And I think we can fast forward into our modern day look at things and, and we see the same thing, right? You see people who are delivered out of sin. They're taken away from the wickedness and forgiven and made new and yet they can't stop focusing on the past, the past and they turn back um, to their old ways. Right. Because it's comfortable. It's something that's, that's very, uh, it's easy to, to look at and, and understand. You know all the ins and outs of it. You know, sometimes we get, we rely on that because it's so new and and new is often, you know, uncomfortable or difficult to navigate. You know, we're, we're creatures of habit. And so we see that uh, Lot's wife turns into a pillar of salt. Uh, Abraham gets up. He looks down towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he sees the devastation. Um but it says when God destroys the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that through the city or that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Mm-hmm. And so that goes back to, if you remember chapter 18, talking about the, uh, Abraham was, it almost sounds like Abraham was negotiating with God, but we see that it wasn't Lot's righteousness that uh, that brought him out of it. It was it was Abraham's Abraham's. intercession. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we go. Um, this next part is another one that that difficult to get through. Yeah, it's it's odd because they go to they go to the town, the small town, but then they leave from there and go to the mountains, which is where they were directed to anyway in the first place, and his it's. Lot and his two daughters, and they get him drunk and conceive children with their dad. One one night, then the next night, the the younger one does the same thing. Uh, and Lot's completely unaware of it. He's apparently so sloshed that that he, he doesn't he remember has, it. Yeah, he has they, no recollection. Uh, and the, and the praise ex- God, right? <laughs> the excuse that that they that the daughters have is that there's no men around for them to have children, and so they want to be taken care of when they're older, and they want the family line to continue. And so this is the only conceivable way that they can think of to to make this happen. Now, one thing when we look at this, um, there's a couple of thoughts on this one. Uh, there's some people that say. They turned around, they saw the destruction of the known world to them. The only place that they had ever known, Sodom and Gomorrah, they see it, it's completely and utterly destroyed. 
they go to this small town and then move to the mountains. And so there's people who say that um, to them, they felt like they were they were not ever going to meet anybody else their age and that to, for life to continue on, that's what they had to do. Um, and we can get off onto a lot of rabbit trails here and there. We can yeah. look at, you know, well, well, them the... getting him drunk and we can look at the incest and we can look at, and one thing we have to, one thing we always have to consider and, and we always have to pay attention to is the culture. Yeah. They're, their sensibilities and what's allowable in their culture at the time are way, way different than what it would be now. Like we're going to find out here in a couple of chapters that Abraham's wife is actually his half sister. Right. They've got this. I think it's the same father, different mother and, and get married. And so that wasn't as, I don't believe that was as shocking at the time as it is now. Right. Uh, and I think what we really see at this point is at the very end, um, this is where the Moabites come from and the Ammonites. Right. So this is two more people groups that we've seen as we've kind of talked through this whole thing. We've seen a lot of these people groups that are living in the area. We see where they began. We can see whether it was through um, uh, Ham, Shem, or Japheth, through... You know, we see through Lot now, we see through all of these different breakdowns, these different people groups. And so these are two people groups. We're going to hear more about the Moabites. We're going to hear more about the Ammonites as we read through the Old Testament. And so if you want to know where they started, you find out everybody's relatives. Yeah. Um, and this is really important because we this is where we see some establishing of the fact that lineage is important, that the the faults, the sins that you see in a grandfather, a father, that those things have weight and they can carry through generations um, if they're not taken care of. And this is also the spot where we see where, where when something messes up, it can cause far-reaching consequences. It's a ripple effect. Right. And so we see the, the beginning of these two people groups, but we understand why things happen to them later now and it's all at the beginning the genesis of their yes. stories and you look at who raised them yeah i mean you've got to consider the moabites and, and their sensibilities and their culture is going to they have come out of sodom and gomorrah and so it's got roots into the the evil that was there and so um it'll be interesting to see how how they turn out now, we go from there, we, we've talked about this before, and so sometimes the Bible starts down a trail and then it cuts off. And this is one of those instances where we, we, we talk about Lot, we see what happens, we see uh, these two people groups, and then that's it. We don't hear any more about Lot. And it's not that Lot disappeared, uh, because we see that the, the people groups that came from him you know, they, they flourished and they survived, right. uh, at least for a time. And so, but God always brings us back to the purpose. Right. And the purpose for the Bible, the purpose of the Old Testament is to point us to a Savior. It's to point us to, to Jesus and his plan to redeem mankind back to him. So we go from Lot and it brings us back to Abraham, 
who's going to be uh, a central to the theme in, in Genesis. And then we see Abraham fall back into his old ways. Right. We see the we see again that Abraham tells someone that Sarah is his sister instead of his wife. And we see again that they're going to be the ones who have to deal with the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but it's funny. One thing I like about God's word, one thing that I always appreciate about it is the truth, even when it's harsh. Yeah. You know, we see how many times have you done something and then tried to do that same exact thing, hoping for different results? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it's in our nature. We, 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 we tend to think, well, it didn't work last time. Maybe it'll work this time. And so he tries the same thing again with this time. Instead of with Pharaoh, it's with Abimelech. He calls, he well, tells Sarah, you know, say you're my sister because, and you got to figure too, his sister is, or it's his wife, but she's at this point, she's in her, well into her uh, 80s. Uh, I don't know exactly how old she is, but at this point, she's got she's to be well into her 80s. And so... Well, she was 65 the first time. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say she's in her 90s at this point. But well, she was 90 when Isaac was born. Okay, so she's close to that. Yeah, she's so, so it's, Isaac it's, hasn't been born yet. Isaac hasn't been conceived yet. So she's somewhere between 75 and 89. Yeah, um, she's somewhere around in there. And so now that being said, we got to talk culture once once more. So you think, okay, well, she walks into this kingdom and you've got this 80-year-old woman who I'm sure is beautiful, but not. we got to realize when, the king, when a king back then takes somebody for wife, it's not always about, uh, it's not always carnal in nature. It's not also always about, a lot right. of times it's political. That may have been to establish a good relationship with Abraham, who was clearly well off at this point. That's right. And so Abimelech's idea behind this may not have been, hey, I want her because she's gorgeous. It's Abraham is a powerful man. Although I will say that there is, you know, due to the longevity, she may still have been, you know, kicking it. She may. Oh, have, yeah. You know. Definitely, definitely. There's some... Uh, we can't always say just because of age. Some some people, there's some people that get better with age. That's right. I'm one of them. Well, the old, hey, you I may don't know not. About that. Older I get. I think you finally look your age, which is the only reason you're saying no, that. I don't even think that. I just think, uh, what do they say? Like a fine wine. I just get better with age. I think more like a smelly cheese. All right, my feelings are hurt, man. I think the Bible says something about. <laughs> No, so but it is interesting. We see that Abraham uh, tells him that that Sarah's his sister, and Abimelech is the one who's put on the chopping block for it. Mm-hmm. But it is it's great because God looks for his intentions. He yeah. lo- he looks at what the purposes of this were. He sees that there wasn't that he wasn't trying to do anything wrong, and he gives him an out. And he protected him. Yeah, it, it says in here that God protected him to make sure that Abimelech did not sleep with Sarah. Right. Um, God made sure that didn't happen so that it would give him an opportunity 
to make this right. But one thing I want to focus on, because I think one of the key things that we see in this passage is verse 11. Well, verse 10 says, Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So we find out that Sarah is a half-sister. So he says, well, I didn't really lie to you. But the key thing here, I think, is verse 11. Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. Actually, I think when you get to the truth of the matter, the fear of God, it wasn't that the fear of God was not in this place. It was that the fear of God was not in Abraham. Right. He, he had the fear of man. He had the fear of man. When God has made this promise multiple times to him. Yeah. Said he was going to do this thing multiple times. And we get to this point where Abraham doubts again. And now we go back to the New Testament. We see Abraham is a great hero of the faith. And he is. And it says that he believes God and it's counted to him as righteousness. And it does but even in our walk, we have moments where we, where we begin to doubt or yeah. we begin to question. And I think, let's just be real. I myself do it. People sometimes go, well, you're a pastor. No, there are times where I'm at a low, where I'm drained physically, I'm drained mentally, I'm, I'm worn out. I get to the point where, you know, you, we have, sometimes we'll have a Sunday morning where hardly anybody comes and then I just begin to question, well, God, what's the point? Did you even call me to this? Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that too often we hold people up on pedestals. And we've got to remember, people are people. Mm -hmm. Abraham included. Um, well, you would think that after what happened in Egypt, that he would understand that when, he, when this happens, that it doesn't look like Abraham's trying to protect himself, that it looks like he's trying to, you know, reap destruction on this king that he's going to go see. And because that's this, it's the same question that gets asked to him. What did I do to you? Why yeah. would you do this to me? Yeah. And, and Abraham isn't see, Abraham never sees it that way. He only sees it as he's trying to protect himself. But when it gets down to the bigger picture, because God is visiting these people, that it now looks like Abraham has the ear of God. And that he knows what will happen is if, if he can make this happen. And he's trying to get a hold of everything. And so from, from an outsider's perspective, it really looks like Abraham is trying to weasel his way through some stuff. Yeah, I can see how that could be read in. I don't see it that way. I know. I, I don't think that, that that's what he's doing at all. Yeah. I think, but I think that that's definitely how, because of how he's been asked twice now. Yeah. What do we do to you? Why are you, why are you doing this yeah. to us? I think that that's how they perceive it. Yeah is that Abraham knew what would happen if he could orchestrate it. And that, you know, and that he's, you know, this yeah. is why he's so well off. He's done this somewhere else too. Yeah. You know, and that's not the case. We know that we have the, the information to say that, but you know, I think it's interesting to, that when we look at the perspective of other people and we see how they perceive our actions and it's, it's one of those things where, Abraham is more in the wrong than Abimelech. Oh, yeah, definitely. But Abimelech is the one who ends up on the chopping block. And that happens a lot where the sins of one person are heaped on and somebody else bears the consequences of them. Yeah. And I guess we can see that today. 
Have you ever heard somebody ask or ever heard somebody say it's not fair? Yeah. You know, it's not fair. I didn't do anything to deserve that. It's the fault of someone else. Um, be it uh, the loss of a loved one, uh, especially somebody close to you that gets hit by a drunk driver and you go, well, they didn't do anything to deserve that. It should have been the drunk driver that was killed. They were the ones that were in the wrong, but it was my family member. We can see people get we can see people get bitter toward God, but we have to remember it's people's decisions have a consequence and God will not step in and override those things. Right. Um, he will provide a level of protection at times, but that's, that goes back to his will and things that we can't even begin that I don't believe we can even begin to understand. Right. Um, sometimes something that looks bad to us now is good. Well, we're so imperfect. How could we truly understand perfection? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of get a picture of that here. You know, Abraham makes a decision to protect himself, and in doing so, he, he endangers a, a, a whole nother kingdom. Matter of fact, it even says, me and Cree talked about this last time, and we were trying to find it and, and had looked over it, but it says um, that God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. So everybody went... During this time period, nobody could conceive. Right. And and this is a culture, once again, talking about culture, this is a culture where fertility meant everything. Yeah. That if you couldn't if you couldn't conceive, we see it with I mean, we've already seen it with uh, Sarah and Hagar. Mm -hmm. Where Hagar had a kid then began to despise Sarah. She began to look down on her, going, Well, I can get pregnant by your husband so if if he could make me pregnant then the problem must be you right and that was the worst thing for a woman would be to be someone who was barren and could not provide children especially male children at the time right because that was the continuation of the king's power in his region mm -hmm. was to be able to pass that along to his male heirs and and so that was this was this had some really big consequences for Abimelech, and be, but God did step in and say because your intentions were pure, you know I I made sure that you were you were all right. And now something else interesting, and we'll talk about it next time. We're not going to talk about it today, but keep this story in mind. If you haven't read it, go back read chapter twenty, because you're going to see something very very similar happen again. Incredibly uh, you're going so. to read it later on in this week if you're keeping up with the reading plan. Um, if you don't have a bookmark, get with us. Let us know. You can email us, podcast at fullyequipped.church. Catch us wherever you can find us. Um, but let us know. We'll get you one. But if you're keeping up with the reading plan, you're going to see a, a mirror image. You're going to see, uh, no, I guess not even a mirror image. Almost beat for beat the yeah. exact same story. But this time with other characters so um, it, it's pretty amazing and so we'll get into that more we'll save that discussion for another day now we do see um, after this that Isaac is is born um, in chapter 21 Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age now there's some specific wording I don't know what it says in the NIV Zach I know you have that but in the New King James in verse 2 it says, For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. In the NIV, it says at the very time God had promised him. Now, 
that, that I want to key in on that little phrase right there because I think that's a really good sticking point for us today. When we, when we look at, we take, we've heard in context what that set time is. So we know that God made this promise to Abraham. He was 75 years old when he made it. We know that they began to question it and that uh, at some point uh, he has a son named Ishmael and uh, through Hagar, through the... Through his servant. Through the servant. And then we get to this point. So we know it's taken. We know that when Isaac is born, I believe Abraham's 100 years old. So it's taken about 25 years for this promise to come to pass. Now, what happened over a course of 25 years, we read in two weeks. Right. And so it's, sometimes it's hard for us to grasp the, the amount of time that's passed. That's why when we see Abraham make these decisions like he did, well, it'd been quite a few years since he lied to Pharaoh right. about that. He may have not even remembered clearly that lie. We have a tendency to justify what we had done and come back and then fall back into our old. But when we get here to this point, it says Abraham um, in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And I think something that we can key on that translates um, to us today is God has a timing and that timing is not always our timing. No, very rarely I find, is it our timing? Very, very, very rarely is it our timing. And so, I mean, we can see that today with, you know, maybe God's called you to do something, uh, but just because he calls you, it doesn't happen right away. Uh, another example I think of in the Bible is, is King David. From the time he's anointed king to the time he becomes king, there's a span of time in there. Yeah. There's a span of time where he is chased and persecuted by the current king. Right. Um, he didn't get anointed king, then ride into Jerusalem and go, I'm king now, hand it all over. He went back. He was anointed king. He went back to being a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the same way with us. Sometimes we say, well, God has called me to this, so I'm going to pack my bags and go. Be it a missionary, be it a, well, I'm saved. Ain't nobody's, you know, nobody's more special than the other ones. And so you see people come in and they want to just do something right away. God often has a time of preparation. Well, and bringing it back to David, he is, there's a point where he's so excited and 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 he's so just on fire is a great way to say it you know it's a christianese way of saying it yeah. but he wants to build the temple in jerusalem uh-huh. and god has to come to him and say hold on you're thinking so small in comparison to what i'm thinking it's going to happen but it's not going to be you it's going to be your son and that's one of those things where david is so he's so passionate about wanting to do it that God's timing is so even so far after him that he doesn't even get a chance to do it. Yeah. You know, and that's one of those things where we, we see this promise where, you know, Abraham's descendants will number the stars and he gets that promise, but he never sees the, the true fruition of that. Oh yeah. He's he never... sees, he knows that he has descendants, but he never sees the multitudes that Abraham, I believe could not even conceive. I don't think the thought, I don't think it was even a, I don't think as a human he even had the ability to process that there would be people living in a land that he's never heard of called the United States of America 
that through adoption are some of those descendants and that we're sitting here now talking on microphones, listening on mobile devices, and that all of these things that God had promised, they came to pass and he never fully saw the scope of it. And I think when we talk about God's timing too, it applies as well when we look at, because maybe you've never had the question, um, y'all are going to listen to this long enough to realize I am not some super quick, super Christian, that I have had lots of doubts and I have questions and and I have struggles just like most people do and I'm going to be honest and transparent about it and there's I'm not, times I'm a super Christian I'm going to hide everything from you it's the beard that's why yeah um, I can't grow a beard like that and so if I could then I could be a super Christian as, as well um, all the cool Christians I ever see they have the cool beards yeah so I well, have we, this, we actually have a club well as, as the password is having a beard as far as my four year, five year old nephew says, I have a, a a mustache, and then underneath my bottom lip, there's a mustache, and then there's a little tiny beard. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that kid's funny. That kid is weird. Um, it's okay for me to say he's weird. He's my nephew, and and my sister knows that he's weird. Um, it runs in the family. And so, but we one of the questions that I you know I've had before is. Why did God wait so long? God wanted to redeem people back to himself. Why wait so long? Why make this promise to Abraham? Not why not have it be Abel or Cain right out of that, I mean right out of the gate and let's just get this thing back. Now I don't have an answer for you. I don't think anybody has an answer for you. I think this goes back to it's God's set time. Right. Um, he understands things that we could never understand. He understands things. He sees things. He knows. And so it happened perfectly when it was supposed to happen. And he sets those times for those things. Why did he not give uh, Abraham a child right after he made the promise? We don't know. But it happens in God's set timing. And when God makes you a promise, when you come through or you, you, you understand you have a calling for something. Because we all, let's, let's get real. We all have a calling. Right. You know, we've got to quit looking at um, pastors as professional ministers. We're all called to minister. Yeah. It's done in different ways. Some people are paid for it. Some aren't. Um, But we all have a calling. God didn't make some people more special than others. He's created us all. And so, but sometimes when we find that calling, we have to be careful and stay in God's timing with it. I remember Pastor Robert's, telling a story about when he was called to be a pastor. If you don't know Pastor Roberts, he was the pastor, former pastor at New Life Assembly in El Campo. He was my pastor. And I remember him telling a story about, it was him and I think there was three other, three or four other guys who were all kind of called into the ministry, called to pastor around the same time. Uh, but just because you're called doesn't mean you run off and do it. There's usually a time of preparation for everything. Right. And so that's, so they're going through this time of preparation and one guy in particular was like, nope, God has called me to do it. He'll provide. And he rushed ahead, rushed out, became a pastor of a church. And within a year was out of that church. Within two years, wasn't even a Christian anymore, wasn't even a practicing Christian anymore. And it's because he worked under his own power in his own timing instead of trusting God and God's timing. I think a big part of we you know we we 
we ask the question, why didn't God do this earlier? Why didn't he, you know, have Cain or Abel be the beginning of the redemption for, Uh for his people? But a question that we can theorize, you know, an answer to is why did God wait until Abraham was as old as he was to give him a son? And part of that was to show God's power in that. Yeah. Because it's been 25 years and they can't conceive. And the moment that God says that the time that he's given them, that this is going to happen, that's the moment that it happens. There's no way that it was, well, this is random. It just happened to happen this time. This, you know, that was to show that this is all happening under the power of God, that there's no other way that this was going to come about. Yeah. And I think that that's a, that's another important part of this to remember is that it's not just about God's timing, but it's about the fact that it is God. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, cause sometimes def- we work in God's timing, but we don't work in the ways of God and, and we get ahead of ourselves that way too. You know, we see a need and we see a way that we can handle it and we try to do it our way. And it may be in the timing that God set up for us, but we've done it in a, in a way that God was never intending us to do, mm-hmm. you know, but that's something that we see is that Abraham and Sarah, that even though they've doubted and even though that there's, they've, you know, stumbled a little bit here and there, they made it here and there was faith that this was going to happen. And so, yeah. and, and God eventually did work in this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it happened in, in God's timing and it's quite obvious that, it's done in a way where God gets the glory and the honor for it because Abraham is so old and Sarah is so old at this point that it's beyond, uh, it's really beyond physical possibility. Right. Um, matter of fact, we're going to see that we're going to see a, a certain theme that's going to come um, kind of throughout the Old Testament. And it even comes when we get around the time of um, Jesus. And that's there's a lot of women who conceive who are barren. Yeah. who can't have children, and then through God, it shows that, that God, through a miracle, causes this child to come, you know, to come about. And so uh, we end up from there in, uh, later on in this chapter, uh, that as Isaac got older, that uh, Ishmael began to be a big brother and become jealous of little brother and began to my version says scoff at him but it was enough to make mama bear come out of sarah and get mad and want to cast out hagar and her son which if you remember in the past she's done once already prior to it was when hagar was pregnant she sent her away and then god called her back and we had talked about it uh, we, we had talked about that last week uh, about how it kind of seemed like Abraham was like, well, I'm not going to get in the middle of this. You do whatever you see is right. And then God speaks to uh, Hagar and she comes back to the house. Right. And now we see almost the reverse of this because now that child has been born. Um, Abraham's been raising, been raising him for 13 years. Ishmael. Ishmael, his, his oldest son. And he loves his son. Right. Um, and now Sarah wants to put him out, and it really, it really tears Abraham up. He doesn't want to do it, but God says, "Let him go." God comes to Abraham and, and gives that confirmation that it's okay. Let him go. I'll take care of him, um, and he does. So they they get put out, and at this point, Hagar begins to, you know, she they get the desert once they run out of water. Um, 
I think it says in verse 15, and the water in the skin was used up. She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat across, down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. So she's put out. She's got nowhere to go. Once the food and the water's used up, she's like, I can't watch him die. Right. Sets him down under a bush. A bow shot, you got to think a bow shot's going to be about a, when you pull back, you shoot a bow and arrow, that's going to be as far as that arrow flies. Mm -hmm. And so she's going to go a distance away because she doesn't want to see her son die. And then we see God step in. God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water and she went, filled the skin with water, gave the lad a drink. Now we got to remember, this wasn't a baby that she was carrying and sat down. No, he was a teenager. He was a teenager. He was 13 years old, which a 13 year old can be strong and go away. So, I mean, he came to the point where I believe that he was pretty close to death's doorstep. Right. Uh, if she's going to, you know, she's going to walk away and I'm, you know, well, there's all kinds of things we can theorize about that. But he wasn't doing well. And it says the angel, uh, it said God heard the voice of the lad. So he heard Ishmael crying out. Right. And then he goes to Hagar and says, what's wrong? She brings him water. And it says that, um, that he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He, dealt, he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And so we're going to talk. We're going to talk a little bit more about Ishmael. Um, I believe it'll be uh, the next podcast. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about Ishmael, but that's going to be one more of those things where Ishmael's line is not key to the salvation story. So we're going to hear a little more about him, hear who comes from him, and then that's all the Bible's going to tell us about him. He right. goes on and he becomes. Uh, the father of the Arab people. So he goes on to father uh, a great nation just like Isaac did. And so um, it's just, that's not going to be the nation that was used for salvation. So we're not going to hear much more about him, but we'll kind of hear where he finishes up. If you're going to be in town in Wharton Wednesday, we're going to be talking in, in, in chapter 22 a bit. Uh, it's going to be an interesting discussion, so we invite you out. If you don't have a home church, come visit us and um, kind of hear some more about what's going on here. And Zach, unless you have anything else. No, I think it's going to be some interesting discussions uh, on Thursday, but you know, I think we're good today. Uh, remember that all of, our, all of the reading for next week is going to be in the show notes uh, each week, and so if you're ever... If you ever are in a in a bind looking for that, you can always look in our show notes. Um, we hope you have a blessed day. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to the Fully Equipped Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify, as well as www.fullyequipped.church. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at fullyequipped.church. Have a blessed day.